This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Calendar. Let's be real. Running a household can be exhausting and chaotic. And finding the perfect Mother's Day gift, it's not exactly a no-brainer. Until now. The Skylight Calendar is the best way to organize the family and give everyone, especially mom, some peace of mind to enjoy the things that matter most. The Skylight Calendar is a smart, touchscreen calendar that keeps track of and manages the chores, dinner planning, groceries, and to-dos for the whole family. The Skylight Calendar automatically syncs each family member's digital calendars and displays them all together on one color-coded touchscreen. It even doubles as a digital picture frame so you can finally share all those special moments that are just sitting on your phone. As a limited time offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightcal.com slash easy. Hey, I'm Sarah Bivens. And I'm Matthew Bivens. And this is the Doing It at Home podcast, the only podcast dedicated to empowering, loving, and honest conversations around home birth. What started as a fun way for us to document our own home birth journey has turned into a platform for sharing birth stories, resources, and education with the goal of empowering mamas and families to make the birth decisions that work best for them. Plus, we get into the antics, breakdowns, and breakthroughs of our own experience of marriage and parenthood. All right. You ready, babe? Yep. Let's do it, mama. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Doing It at Home podcast. It's birth story time, and we are chatting with Erin Houlihan about her HBAC after two cesareans. So we get to hear from Erin her experience of moving through those experiences of the first two C-births or C-sections or cesareans, however you refer to them, and how devastating they were and the healing and the recovery, both physically, mentally, emotionally, out of those. And then moving into the birth of her third child, her daughter, Olivia, for a home birth. And this is really about collecting and building that positive outlook and mindset and seeking out empowering stories, resources, a team to support you in what you want to experience. And it's just such an awesome story. And twist, birth happened during a storm and the power goes out, tornado warning, and there's candles and flashlights involved. Pretty, pretty cool. And all with a baby arriving at the end. So thank you so much to Erin for coming on the show and sharing her story with us. We really appreciate her. And I know you're going to love it. Here it is. Hi, Erin. Hi. (laughs) Erin, we are so pumped to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for carving out some time out of your schedule to hang out with Sarah and I. Oh, no problem. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm really excited to share the story. Yeah, absolutely. And you're a listener of the show, so you've been around the community for a while. Um, Even some cool connections. You know, your midwife, in a way, has been represented on the show. Um, Other mamas that she served have been on the show. So it's really cool. We have a lot of fun stuff to jump into. Yeah, I'm really excited. (laughs) Yeah, and we had a a cool conversation before we hit record about the age differences between your kids. And I, I, asked, I asked this question to you because Sarah and I have been talking about it um, kind of in our own family lives. Family planning. Yeah. yeah, family planning. And what I, want, what I want to do is I'm going to publish that snippet of the conversation at the end of our interview. So for those listening, uh, I recommend tuning in after the interview is complete because I'm going to publish this cool little conversation that Sarah and I had with Aaron. 
Awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. off the director's floor, yeah. whatever that is. Yeah. And it's exclusive. <laughs> Cutting room floor. Um, yeah, that. Um, so, okay, Erin, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and your family? Oh, sure. Um, I am a teacher. Um, I teach fifth grade. And I am married to my husband, Mike, and he works for um, our state children and family services department. And then I have three kids. My oldest is Emma, who's eight, and then Caden is just turned three. And the newest baby, it just turned one last week. Baby Olivia. Yeah, yeah. Or Wawa, as Caden yeah. said, right? You said he says Wawa. Yes, he called her baby. Well, not anymore. He has grown. Now he oh. calls her Livy. But yes, when he was, uh, when she was born, it was baby Wawa for, oh my gosh, I'm even forever, it felt like that's for a long amazing. time. Oh, that's yeah, so which funny. is adorable. I loved it. And so, what got you on the path to home birth for baby Olivia? Um, well, my first daughter was born uh, via C-section. Um, I had gone into her birth um, very traditionally. I uh, had an OB um, in a big practice and around 32, 34, 36 weeks, somewhere in there. Um, she was born at the end of October. So it was like early September or mid-September. Um, they discovered that she was frank breech. Mm. Um, and so I had hoped and planned for a natural birth. Um, at the very least a birth that I had to have it in epidural, but certainly not a cesarean. Um, and so I did as much as I knew how to do to get her to flip. I was, you know, women flipping in the pool myself. I was going to a chiropractor, um, but I didn't know a ton at the time. And like up until the day before she was born, I finally just like gave myself up and said, all right, mm-hmm. she's not going anywhere. We're having a C-section. Um, and I went in for the C-section. And it was right before she was born, maybe right after a friend of mine whose son was actually born five days after Emma, um, her, he was also Frank Breach. And so we had shared a lot and we were at different practices and she had mentioned that her practices had mentioned um, having a VBAC. And I was like, well, I had never even heard of the term. Mm. Um, so that kind of sparked me into, well, what is a VBAC? And at my six week postpartum, my OB said, so are you going to have a VBAC next time if you do this again? And I was like, well, I have no idea about it, but <laughs> sure, I would. Uh, that sounds great. I'd love to. Like, let's. I'm open to. It. She's like, you're a great candidate. Um, um, and then, um, you know, I kind of put that in the back of my head, back burner. Um, and then a little while before we were ready to try having Caden, um, I started going to local um, ICANN meetings to just kind of get information and learn about what VBEC was. And through that, I became really involved in that community, attending every month pretty much um, as much as I could through his birth um, and postpartum with him. And then again, when I got pregnant with Olivia, I started going back. Um, And so it was through there that I had first learned about home birth. So as I was um, preparing for Caden's birth, I really grappled with the decision to go with a home birth, staying with my current OB provider, because I really liked them. Um, And I, I really, I appreciated what they were providing at the time. Again, there were things I was frustrated with. Like I would go in and I'd wait 45 minutes for an appointment. I'd sit down. I'd have a rushed 15 minute appointment. The OB would walk in, listen to a heartbeat and she'd be out the door. Mm. And I'd be like, well, wait, whoa, whoa. Like I have a question. Like, can I ask a question? Um, and some people in our um, ICANN group, although never coming out and saying specific problems with that um, pr- practice had kind of alluded to really being, um, willing to ask questions. And um, I was a little hesitant because I felt like I was being confrontational. Um, 
and I hate to be confrontational. And I felt like I was questioning them. And for what it just I felt horrible doing it. And now I could like smack myself for not <sighs> doing it. But at about 20 weeks, I did end up deciding to interview a home birth midwife. And uh, I started looking into a practice um, that was a midwife-based practice that had one OB, was really no, well-known in the area and um, had a really great VBAC success rate. Um, and while they delivered at the hospital, they really followed that like midwifery care of, model of care. Um, so I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Don't, 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 don't. Can you come down? Sure. Go ahead. Go down for the breaker. <laughs> Um, sorry, I thought if I left snacks in the show, we'd be okay. <laughs> totally cool. um, <laughs> so anyway, so I met with them and I met with the midwife, Kelly, who I ended up using for Olivia's birth. And I loved the, I loved Kelly. I loved, um, everything about it. I was still kind of on the fence, um, about home birth, but felt really comfortable because I was surrounded by these women who, who had talked about home birth and had shared home birth stories through that ICANN chapter, um, I brought my husband along and he had sat there and he, of course, was he was not at all interested in home birth. Um, and we sat there and we talked with Kelly and she, you know, answered some of his questions and tried to address some of his concerns and our concerns. Um, and when we left, before we left office, I was like, okay, well, I'm fine. We can do this if you want. And so I was like, hey, well, you know, that's awesome. Go ahead. Go home and think about it. Um, and so we did, there was a lot of financial, um, stuff like our, with our insurance, our insurance mm. would cover maybe about half of the cost and the leftover cost was a lot for us at the time. And while he seemed okay and willing to do it, cause he knew it's what I wanted to do. I felt this huge burden that I was putting this financial burden on my family. And so I, um, spent weeks thinking about it. She happened to be going out of town for a couple of months uh, or for a month or so. Um, and kind of just like, you're getting close. We're at like 25 weeks. I'm going to be gone for five weeks. Like, this is, we need to make a decision so we can start like moving this ball forward. Mm. Um, and I just couldn't make a decision and it kind of, time kind of ran out and she's like, I'm really sorry. It's just not going to work out. Like I have to leave. And this is a really special relationship. And I think, especially when you're having a VBAC, we really need to build that relationship and trust between the two of us. Um, so I, and I was okay with that. I was like, okay, decision made for me. I'm going to stick with the midwif midwifery practice at the hospital and deliver at the hospital. And so I continued prepping for a VBAC, um, through that practice who I really fell in love with. I really love the midwives. Um, and then Caden's birth came. Um, he was born at 10 days past his like guest date. Uh, and he um, ended up, I was in labor for about 24 hours with him. My water broke around four in the morning and at five o'clock in the morning, we ended up having another C-section, which was just devastating to me. Um, I, you know, which I just, my body was reeling from labor for 24 hours. Um, and then, you know, recovering from a C-section emotionally, I was just drained and disappointed and hurt. Cause I had been so empowered. Like I was so empowered that I was going to do this. And I just thought that it was, it was going to happen. Like I had read the books and I heard all these stories and all these, I didn't know anybody who had tried and not had it a mm. uh, successful VBAC. So mm. About a week before he was born, I'm like, I should probably plan for a C-section just in case that happens. I'm sure it'll be fine, but I should probably just plan. Um, so my, I had hired some doulas, 
And so they were like, yes, you absolutely should. And we kind of came up with a plan. One of the doulas was actually the head of our ICANN chapter. Um, so she was really familiar with VBAC. Um, she had had a, her own um, home birth VBAC um, several years earlier. So I had a lot of support in that way. But in the end, I, I did end up with a C-section. Um, and like I said, I was just devastated um, and took, and it was a really difficult recovery. My recovery with Emma such, was a brief. I barely put pain meds with him. my son. It was six weeks and I was just constant, like I was hurting so much. Wow. Um, but then, and we thought we were done. You know, I was always open to having a third. My husband was not hugely open to having a third, but kind of set like a time limit with his age. We're like, well, if we would ever do it, we would have to do it before I'm 40. Um, and sure enough, about um, when he was 39, I found out that I was pregnant with Olivia. <laughs> and, right under the um, <laughs> she was born in August and he turned 40 in October. So oh, him perfect. and Emma actually share a birthday. <laughs> um, so it was. I was like, I got her. I got her in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so when we found out we were pregnant, literally we both like we looked at the pregnancy test. First words out of my husband's mouth were after, oh my God, <laughs> were, I, we're going to have to have a talk because I know you're going to have a home birth and I just, I don't, like, oh, wow. it's not going to happen. So I was like, okay, well, let's worry about that later. Let's kind of <laughs> get over the shock of this first. Um, so we, um, after a couple weeks, like I had started, I went to the, back to the same midwifery practice um, that I had been using at the, with planning a hospital birth. And um, after a few weeks, started bringing up the idea of at least contacting Kelly. Because the great thing about Kelly is that she has hospital rates to it. That now two of the local hospitals um, that are like birthing centers. So even if we decided to do a hospital birth, she could still be our provider. So I just use that. I'm like, well, let's just at least talk to her. So we went in again and we had an appointment with her, just a conversation to kind of um, just talk about home birth and what it would be like and um, what our options were. And we, again, left that appointment and my husband really loves Kelly. Um, and I think she makes him feel super comfortable. And we left and that night he sat me down. He's like, look, I know that this is something you really want. And this is the last time you're going to have a baby. So if this is what you want to do, I'm, I'm all in and we can definitely do it. So, and at that point I was like, I'm not letting the financial aspect stand in my way. Right. Like I never do anything for myself. I am doing this for me and giving it all. And so we signed on and, um, we, started seeing Kelly and went forward with the home birth. We toured like the hospital that she goes to as well, but, um, you know, planned. So, so let me, let me ask a quick yeah. question before you keep going on, on the awesome story. What was the feeling like when you and Mike signed on and you're like, okay, we're doing this. What, what was that feeling like for you? Um, no, I, I think part relief and like comfort, like just again, excitement. Like it was really excited um, to just, and I think a, probably a little nervous too. I think it was such a mix of emotion, um, relieved that he was happy to do it um, as well. And that he was on board and he knew how important it was to me. Um, and then just excited to work with Kelly. She has such 
an amazing reputation. Um, anybody that you talk to in the area, if you mention her name, they to say, oh, she's amazing. Um, and anybody I knew that had had a home birth, most of the time it was with her. So I just felt so comfortable with her too. And I loved the idea, like with Kelly too, like the midwifery practice in the, um, that I had been going to, again, the midwives were wonderful. But this time with Kelly, I knew who would be there when I delivered her, What, no matter what ends up happening. Kelly was going to be the person that was there. And I think that that was also really comforting for me that I would know who would be there when it came time to deliver Olivia. Um, So, yeah, I was even now like, I'm like, I wish I could just have more babies so I could deliver with Kelly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I, I, like, I love her. I think she's amazing. And um, she made us feel incredibly comfortable throughout the whole process. That's awesome. What's, uh, what's her full name and where, what part of the country does she practice out of so case. we are in well she her so her practice is located in albany new york um and her name is kelly mcdermott and her practice is called saj Fem midwifery perfect awesome. cool we'll put some yeah. links in the show notes so folks who yeah, are in definitely. your area can uh, can reach mm-hmm. out look her up yeah, yeah. Okay, awesome. so what about, you know, leading up until birth or some of the details there as it was getting closer? Tell me a little bit about that. So I spent a lot of time, like, researching. I like, put a lot of effort. One of the things when I reflected on Caden's birth, I think one of the things I didn't do very well was prepare for the labor. And I had done a lot of reading about what VBAC was and safety and research and studies and all of those things. But I don't think I really did everything I could have done to prepare myself mentally for what labor would be like. Um, so that was one of the things I really wanted to kind of change this time. So I read, and I had read Ina May's, um Guide to Childbirth, I think what's called, um, with Caden, but I only read the stories at the back. Like I only read the stories that she had. I didn't do a lot of reading of the actual text of the book. And um, so I read the main part of her book this time with Olivia. Um, I signed up to do Hypnobabies. Um, and I actually had received a, the kit through my ICANN network. Somebody had donated to them. So I was able to actually get their copy and use that. And I found that to be really helpful. Um, I found it really hard to keep up with the time, especially having two young kids running around um, of listening to all of the tracks. But I did find them extremely helpful and calming and relaxing. And and then being with Kelly, and I remember saying to Kelly too, like, you know, one of the greatest things is – I, you know, Ina May's book and Hypno Babies, and you, you all say the same thing. You know, all of these positive outlooks on birth, um, I think we're just reaffirming and comforting. And then, of course, going to ICANN was huge and having that support system of women who were, um, had been there or who were also going through it. I think the summer that I had Olivia, I think Kelly had at least, two, I know she had at least two other um, VBAC mamas, one who had a VBAC and one who was having her after her third cesarean. Um, so I just think knowing that and having that comfort level was so helpful. And then just, I would, you know, YouTube home births and hypno baby births and um, lots of all kinds of videos um, and listen to your podcast. That was huge. And I would listen to um, some other podcasts. I eventually ended up leaving other podcasts though, because while I enjoyed them, they shared all different types of stories. Um, and I really then eventually wanted to just focus only on really positive mm. reaffirming home birth stories mm. um, and keep that really fresh in my mind. So I eventually was only listening to your podcast um, 
to hear those home birth stories and to hear other people's perspectives and takes and experiences um, and kind of prepare myself for all the different scenarios that could arise and um, that we could experience while we were at home. That was so awesome. Thank you, Erin. You're welcome. You did a lot of, um, you did a lot of beautiful, sounds like prep like yeah. the information that you yeah. surrounded yourself with like i i understand with cadence you know you it was a potential v-back so you wanted to mm-hmm. kind of learn about all of that and, and read on it but um with mm-hmm. olivia i mean everything that you just consumed and all the information and everything is just i don't know it seems very loving and and um just empowering and awesome yeah, I I tried to like you know I think I remember I was listening to I think you guys did an episode on like creating your space um, for Maya's birth yeah. and um, I really so I, I listened to that and I thought about how what I would do so I printed birth affirmations and had them on the wall and had Christmas lights out and um, I tried to really create this like beautiful peaceful space I had my CD player with my CDs ready to go um, and I think through seeing all those different things that helped me. So like when I say to imagine all the scenarios, I don't necessarily mean negative scenarios that came up, but just all the different ways that my home birth could look um, and all the different things that I could do to make this my birth and our experience together as a family and Olivia's like entrance into this world. Um, And it was, and it ended up, I ended up being so happy with everything that we did. And it really was beautiful. Mm. Um, and just different, totally different, right? Like I didn't plan for some of the things that happened. I didn't plan for some of the things I ended up being comfortable with while in labor. I would have never thought, you know, that I would have done. So, and it, so it took on its own, my own experience. It wasn't necessarily like other things I had read, but I feel like just preparing myself and kind of imagining um, and seeing myself. And I think HypnoBabies does that, right? Like have you really visualize your birth um, and what it's going to look like and feel like. And you know, I, I found that to be really helpful. Mm. I had a hard time because I couldn't in some ways imagine it, but I think that's where listening to other people's stories and watching other home births on YouTube and um, different videos were really helpful Yeah, to me to be able to create the space I wanted to create. Well, let's hear your story. I'm so excited yeah. now with just given what you kind of, how you prefaced it, like things that popped up. I want to hear about all of that. So, <laughs> so, um, so um, Olivia was born 41 weeks and five days. It was 41 weeks and three days. And then Olivia was actually two days later than that. So um, I had gone, I had an appointment with Kelly um, that morning at like 8, 30 or 9 in the morning. And that night in the middle of the night, I had just, I felt something different. Something was just different about her movement. And Kelly, I'm feeling like she's like ready or something's going on. So she felt and she's like, Oh my goodness, she is there. Like she is ready. She's lined up perfectly. It's just a waiting game now. Um, so I left her office, um, with like a script to go get an ultrasound. That was a Tuesday, um, for Friday, if I hadn't had her by that day. Um, and as I was putting my kids in the car to head, we were headed to a play date. Um, I got this like really low backache and I just like, Oh, that's weird. Um, and my husband and I actually funny were texting. He te- I said, Oh, Kelly says she's all lined up, ready to go. He's like, Hey, maybe uh, my daughter's born on the 21st. My son is born on the 23rd. He's like, Hey, maybe we'll have a 21, a 22, and a 23 because it's mm. August 21st, 
22nd was that day. And I was like, oh, maybe. And I looked at my phone, saw it was the 22nd. I'm like, that's never going to happen. Ah. No way. Uh, So um, I headed off to this play date and we were there. I said to my friend, like, I keep getting this like low back pain, like crampy back pain that comes and then goes. And she's like, um, (laughs) like maybe this is the start. She goes, Yeah. Maybe I should be at home resting. <laughs> so at around noon, I left. We left the plate, headed home for lunch. And after I got the kids, Kaden was going down for a nap. I just said to my daughter, I'm like, Emma, you can just watch a show. I'm just going to lay down with Kaden because I'm like, if this is it, I'm supposed to be sleeping or resting. So I better mm. pick my opportunity. Yeah. And I just could not fall asleep. So eventually got a contraction timer out and started timing them just to see what was going on. I was like, these are like 20 minutes apart, probably. Um, and Kaden woke up and I had never fallen asleep. And I look at the contraction timer and they're like four minutes apart. And I was like, oh, well, that's not 20 minutes apart. And they were lasting all different times, 30 seconds, a minute, 10 seconds, four seconds. It was very sporadic. And I was like, well, I guess I should call Callie. I called Callie. And she's like, okay, well, you know, just, you know, this could end and may not be the thing. Um, I was like, so should I have Mike come home from work? And she goes, that's totally up to you, but you don't have to. This really may not go any further. So um, I didn't have Mike come home then, but I was having, since I was having that low back pain, one of the things with Caden was he was posterior. And that was one of the things I didn't anticipate. And it, the back labor I had with him was just so difficult and mm. un, totally unexpected. Um, so when I was having that with Olivia, I was like, oh, I, maybe I should go to the chiropractor because I had done that during labor, labor with Kate and I went to the chiropractor. So I called and they were like, well, we can get you in at 345. I said, all right, great. Um, I called a friend to see if she could take my kids. And just in the time that I was talking to her, within 15 minutes of trying to figure out how I was going to manage this, I could no longer like... I was having to stop the contractions and hold on to a chair. And then I could go back to like packing the kids stuff, getting ready. And luckily Mike like just was like, I'm coming home. And so he left and he got here about four, which at that point I called Kelly back. Cause I was like, Kelly, I don't know. Like I, it's like, it's definitely more intense and it's definitely coming. They're coming more like routine. Like they're, um, I don't remember what they were. Maybe every like four minutes consistently now. And she's like, well, okay. I'm like, that's fine. Let's check back in an hour and see. So luckily Mike walked in, he took the kids. I had gotten to that point. I'm like, I just want to get into my own headspace. Like I need my kids to go. I need to come and listen to my hypno babies tracks. And I just want to get into my like space. Um, so he came home, he whisked them right away. I actually came in and took a shower. I was probably in there for about 45 minutes and he came home um, and started setting up the birth pool, um, which we had. We were in our bedroom, our bathrooms right across from our bedroom. So it was like perfect little like area to move around in. Um, and after I had gotten out of the shower, I called Kelly and I had a contraction on the phone with her. And again, these contractions were not lasting. I think they were consistently 30 seconds. And she was just saying, 30 seconds just really isn't that long. And then I had one on the phone with her and she goes, well, but that was a good one. (laughs) So I'll send my assistant up to you. Um, And her assistant I happened to know too through ICANN as well. So I had known her for a couple of years prior. Um, And so I said, okay, great. Um, About 20 minutes later, I said to my husband, I'm like, why is nobody here yet? What is going on? I could just tell that things were moving really quickly Um, and just as I said that, the assistant walks in um, and she comes up and she says, how long have you been making that noise? And I was like, oh, that was like my first clue that things were mm. going well. There were a couple of times throughout the birth that I was like, oh, that's a 
that's a good sign. Um, and to me, I was like, well, if I'm, that's a good sound. If you're worried about the sound I'm making, that means I'm progressing here, right? Like I'm getting somewhere. And, um, it turned out Kelly. So I live about 30 minutes from Kelly. That's of course the time of the birth was rush hour, which can extend things. And (sighs) so she was going to wait until six o'clock to check in, but about 10 minutes later, it's like, I just have to go. I just have to get up there. And thankfully, not thankfully, she didn't come that fast, but she came. So she came sooner than anticipated. She got here not long after. Um, Mike had finished setting up the birth pool. So I got in um, and that was just, I loved the birth pool. The birth pool was amazing. Um, I was so thankful that I ended up having that. Um, and I labored in there for a while. Kelly um, showed up and she had an intern who was with her um, who had also come um, and we have a friend who's a photographer and she actually photographed Caden's birth. Um, but it was a very last minute thing. It was like, you know, how about like, I, she had never done a birth and she was like, how about I'll do it for free for you. If like, we don't know if she has three kids of her own, it's like if the timing works out great. And if it doesn't, and then we plan the same thing again for Olivia's birth. Um, so she came, she ended up coming a little while later as well. Um, but I just hung out in the pool probably, for an hour and a half, two hours. Um, and then Kelly started, really started to kind of, things started to get more intense um, to the point where I was saying, okay, like, w- I need to know what's going on here. Like, w- what, I need something. I need somebody to tell me what's happening. And Kelly had said, well, okay, um, I can check what I think I already know or something along those lines. And that was kind of that second like clue to me, like, well, wait, that sounds like you think things are going really well or that things are like progressed pretty far. Um, and I had felt like I, there was definitely a point within Olivia's labor. And I, I can't remember now if it was at that point um, or if it was a little bit later where I knew I had surpassed where I had been with Caden before we went in for the C-section. Um, and I just felt it in my body. Um, and then uh, Kelly had started saying, like, you, have you gone to the bathroom? Like, you need to pee. And I was, I was like, I cannot think of any other part of my body besides, like, contractions. And that was it. And she's like, have you peed? And I was like, I have no idea. And she's like, it's okay. You can go in that pool. It's totally fine. We won't tell anybody. I'm like, <laughs> I just don't know. Like, I don't know if I did. And so after a while, she's like, all right. I'm sorry, we need to get you out and you need to, we need you to try and go to the bathroom. We just need to make sure everything is working. And I was drinking a lot of water um, throughout. So, um, so we ended up getting out of the pool to try and go to the bathroom. And as soon as I stood up out of that pool, I just felt, I could feel Olivia drop. And I knew she was left engaging. Um, so we got out of the last again, sadly, because um, I didn't try it. But um, I ended up going to the bathroom and I just never left. Um, we left the toilet, mm. which is one of those things was the surprise in birth that I was not anticipating. Um, the other thing had been I had tried to put on like a tank top while I was in the pool or I had bought actually this really awesome tank top off of Amazon um, saying I can and I will. And I bought it as my like oh. affirmation because it was my favorite birth affirmation. Um, and I had planned to wear it during labor but I went to put that thing on and it was so tight I was like forget this I like ripped it off (laughs) I ended up just like laboring with nothing on which is so not like my modestness was so not me Um, but I was so I did not care at all about anything even my friend came over with the one taking the pictures like I know her personally like a little awkward now I'm like oh 
but at the time I didn't even know she was around. Like I didn't even know she was there. Um, so we ended up on the toilet and labored there for a while. Um, and we ended up getting into this like really great rhythm of, and I think back now and I just find it to be so beautiful. Like the support that was in that room. My, so my husband was standing next to me holding my hands and Kelly was in front of me kind of like on a step stool. And whenever I would have a contraction, she would bend over. I would lean on her poor back. I would lean on her back and I would scream. And another thing, I watched all these beautiful hypno babies where these people just made li- no sound or <laughs> very low moans. And here I was like screaming like somebody was going to kill me. And I never thought, I never thought that I would do that. And at, between contractions, I was very like lucid and having conversations. And um, I was like, Kelly, I'm so sorry. Your poor ear, like your back must be killing you. She's like, I'm fine. It's really okay. And then a contraction would come and she would just drop and I would bend. And it was like this rhythm that we just got into. And uh, Mike would grab my hand and we would just work through contraction and then go back. And, um, after a little while, my water ended up breaking when I was, um, there. Um, and then we ended up moving to my bed just to try a different position. And I labored there for a little while. And then Kelly, my husband, when we were on the toilet. So while he did his own reading for home birth and he was very supportive, he didn't do as much as I did. I knew it was a very common place to kind of labor because of the way that your body can like sit and like move. Um, But all he could imagine was our baby falling into the toilet and Mm -hmm. being born there. And he was just like, that can't be happening. I'm like, babe, it's fine. Totally fine. This is normal. It's totally normal. Um, And he was like, we can't Aaron. Like we just can't have the baby on the toilet. So when we were in my bed, he was so much, he was so happy. And then Kelly's like, Mike, I'm really sorry, but I think we're doing better when we were on the toilet. I think we need to go back. So back we went to the toilet, um, and I labored there for a while and started really bearing down. Uh, and we just continued that pattern of, like, bending over. And, um, well, so to go back to – so I, I know I had told you guys there was a storm, so I didn't know it at the time, but when we were in bed um, – the power went out. So the air conditioner in the room turned off, all the lights went off. And I was just like, Oh, thank you guys so much. Thank you. They were like, (laughs) that wasn't us. And that was the first I ever became aware that something. So there's like a huge tornado warning going on outside. It's like a torrential downpour storm. Um, Luckily I had had candles, I guess, part of just like my ambiance anyway. So we had candles and we had flashlights going, um, but the power ended up never coming back on. So for the rest of the birth and labor, um, we were um, just, you know, going with flashlights and candlelight, which was beautiful and wonderful. It it was very cool. Um, Not that I put two and two together at the time, but now like reflectively, yeah, it was was really awesome. Um, But when we were... Um, laboring on the toilet and I, the water had broken. I could really like start bearing down. Um, I remember saying to Kelly, like, I'm tearing, like I am tearing. And she goes, you're fine. It's okay. Um, But then we ended up moving back to my bed for the actual birth. Um, And we were, we came back to the bed probably maybe for three minutes. I think I pushed for about an hour and a half um, between my bed and like being in the bathroom. 
Um, and when we were in bed, my husband was like right next to my head, holding my hand. Um, and I was just, I was laying down again, another thing, never expected to deliver a baby laying on my back with my legs up in the air kind of, um, experience. Like the one place I say is like the hardest way to deliver was yeah. the way that I delivered. Um, but I had torn and it was a way to slow her down because she was coming pretty quickly. Um, so after I pushed for, like I said, an hour and a half. I don't know how long I was in bed again, maybe another half an hour um, before Olivia ends up being born. I remember Kelly saying, um, like, reach down, you can feel her baby or feel her head. Um, and she said, she goes, she has a full head of dark hair. And now my other two were born like little baldies or Caden had some hair, but I thought he had a lot of hair. And in retrospect, he had like none compared to this baby. Um, but I just remember starting to cry because through hypno babies, they have you visualize, you know, your baby and um, holding them. And that was how I visualized her. And it was the most like goosebumps, surreal moment. Cause I was like, Oh my God, that's how I imagined her. Um, and then a contraction came and I was pushing again. Um, and Kelly said, um, she had asked Mike if he wanted to catch him and he had not, he was very much happy, right? where he was next to me. Um, and so I had said, if he ends up not wanting to catch, I really would love to. And so she said, um, reach down and, you know, catch your baby. And so I just sat up and reached down and felt this like wet, squishy little thing and pulled her up onto my chest. And I just was, I have like goosebumps thinking about it now, like just elated and, um, having the feeling of having her lay on me skin to skin. I didn't get that before. It's all these things that I didn't experience in my cesarean birth um, that were able to happen and just holding her and feeling her like wet head and all that hair against my skin and just having my arms wrapped around her was mad. It was magical. And she was, there and it was amazing. <laughs> wow, that is awesome. Yeah, it was really, wow. yeah, it was really cool. And I, at all the births I had seen from like women who had had backs, everyone said I did it, and I was like, I don't want to say I did it. <laughs> sure enough, that's exactly what <laughs> yeah. I did. Oh yeah. Did oh my god, I did it. We did it. By the way, I'll include you guys. We did it. But I oh. did it. <laughs> and they were like, you did it. And um, her assistant was like, you got your feedback. Like they were like, you got it. It happened. You did it. And oh, I think nice. throughout that whole experience, I really, every time they would listen to the baby's heartbeat, I'd be like, this is the time. You know, this is going to be the one that like, we're going to go. As much as I had tried to be so empowered and so positive and believe in my body and myself, and I did, I, there was just that little bit of fear that was still there. And at, I think at the final time, there was at one point when we, before we transferred to the bed is when I really like that feeling like, oh my God, this is going to happen. Like where this is going to happen. We're going to get to do this. Um, and then we did it and it was, it was incredible. Yes. It really was Baby Olivia was here. Yeah, so after she comes out, now the power is still off, right? And there's still a storm going on? Yes. Yes, the power is out. There's the heating blankets. Like, they, the, they put the uh, towels on her and they're like... Oh yeah, they're not they're not so warm, are they? Because they're yeah. you know they're not there's no electricity. We didn't think about it, um, but yeah, and we had our windows open, which a funny little tidbit. Um, our neighbor across the street, like 
everybody's power was out. So everything was silent. Like my neighbors, who I don't know, could hear me screaming. They were literally, our neighbor was pacing, I found out later, in his driveway, not knowing what to do. Like if you should call somebody, if I was okay or what to do. When my photographer left, she said he like knocked on her window and like scared her to death. He was like, is everything okay in there? She's like, oh yeah, it's just home birth. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Uh, So funny. I love, I actually love that part of the story. And I love that, um, you know, that other people got to sort of bear witness to it in their own little, (laughs) own little way. Um, But yeah, so yeah, so she came out and we were here and there was a storm going outside. So then when Kelly and, uh, and and the rest of the you know midwives and, and assistants and everybody left, and it was just you and the family, what, were, was the power still out? Were you guys still with the doing candlelight and everything? So I, as I had meant, like I had torn, um, and with the power being out and the low lighting, I had was holding Olivia, um, and Kelly was like, Aaron, I'm really sorry, but we really have to, I think we have to go to the hospital to deal with this tear. Um, she goes, you know, I, she's like, I've definitely done, I've repaired some and I can do it, but with the light, I'm not comfortable seeing this uh-huh. or like doing this one here. Um, and so she had asked her, even her intern, her intern was like, yeah, I would not. So we ended up actually, we got to like hang here a little bit for about two hours, but around 11 o'clock, she was born at 9, 21 at night on the 22nd. So we got our 21 yeah, or 22 and 23. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> and, but we ended up transferring to the hospital um, to have um, actually, it was great. The OB that was on at the hospital is the one that Kelly works really closely with and felt super okay. comfortable with. So we transferred to the hospital and actually it turns into its own huge story, but transferred to the hospital where they um, tried to start doing the repair. Um, and even while they were doing it, they felt like they actually needed to transfer to the OR to do the repair uh, uh, because they were having a hard time seeing it. So I looked at Kelly and I was like, well, geez, all that work to end up in the OR again. <laughs> and so we did. So I ended up with that like spinal and in the OR and they ended up having to do the repair there. Um, we ended up spending the night at the hospital and left about maybe noon, 11 o'clock or noon the next day um, after having her. So I didn't get that little sad part, but I didn't get that, like, lay in bed, hang out, like, the three of us ending, but I got my home birth. You did. You certainly got your home birth. I did. I did. Yeah, and it was great. And, uh, you know, again, just another unexpected part. Like, I totally thought that there was, I could tear. Like, I'd never had a baby before. Totally expected that that was a realistic um, expectation. Never thought it would be what it would be because... Olivia's birth was my most difficult recovery of all three births, to be honest. It took the longest recovery time, um, required a a physical therapy, which I don't know if people know about because I certainly didn't know that pelvic floor physical therapy was a thing. And I would shout it from the rooftops to anybody. I think it's one of those things we don't ever talk about is like the after part of birth and what, you know, birth does to our bodies. And especially if you tear and your body is recovering through that as well. Um, and I, pelvic floor physical therapy was just amazing, um, and really helpful, but I couldn't do it for like, you know, took me two and a half months before, like I got to the point where I could be there. Um, so, um, it was definitely a difficult recovery more so than I thought. Another thing I just kind of, everyone I had known had a VBAC, like, oh, we had, uh, 
you know, it's an easy birth. It was great. Like I, easiest recovery I've had, I expected that. And I definitely didn't have that, um, you know, but you know, that is what it is and, um, recovered from it and dealt with it and moved on. And, but, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so we had a, or you, you had a longer, I don't know if it was long, but you had a recovery after the after the, the tear. Then what I would have liked, yeah, yeah, and what I had in my mind yeah. and what I envisioned. I was yeah. like, what? WTF was a lot yeah, of how yeah. I felt those yeah. first like eight weeks. I was like, this is not what I was picturing. You know, Absolutely. I was still very delicate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember going to Kelly. Um, I had had an appointment with her late. Like it was probably around eight or a little later weeks and postpartum and saying to her, I don't know how I'm going to go back to work. I was going back to work to teaching. I'm on my feet all day. I'm like, I can barely like at this point, if I'm on my feet now, I'm really sore by the time I need to make dinner. I don't know how I'm going to survive on my feet all day because I don't have to be on my feet a lot when I'm home with this baby because my son was still going to daycare to keep his routine and my daughter was in grade school at that point. So I was just home with the baby, which was wonderful. And even still, just her, I was struggling. So I didn't know how I was going to do it. And she had said, you know, if if we need to, we can extend your leave. We definitely have that option. Um, We certainly have the paperwork to back that up. Um, but again, the, I think the physical therapy was a huge component and really helped so that I didn't end up having to um, do that. So, yeah. But it was a good that. 12 week. I would say it was a good 12 week recovery. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, I'm happy same. you mentioned the physical therapy because that's something too. that, uh, you know, for those listening, it may not have been on your mind before, but now you can look into the pelvic floor physical therapy and other things, which, you know, that recovery doesn't get a lot of conversation Mm -hmm. you know i mean it It doesn't even in this podcast we focus on the time leading up to baby coming and you know birthday and then sometimes we have those episodes where we talk about some of the postpartum but um it doesn't get a a ton of conversation so you know just giving people i don't know talking about it and space yeah yeah, and and all of the things it's it's important yeah and um yeah yeah Definitely. And I think even too something that I wouldn't have known, but, you know, I probably would have after going, like learning that I probably would have been a good candidate even prior to you know, having the baby. And maybe I wonder if maybe had I done that or known about it, that I could have maybe prevented the tear or some or the degreeness of the tear. Like maybe it wouldn't have been as bad um, as what it was had I known about that. But I think, again, it's just one of those things that we don't talk about um and it's such a private and sensitive topic that you know i don't think it often comes up even when you're talking to your doctor Mm. um you know and self-care things like that so definitely a learning it was definitely a learning curve but hopefully you know hopefully other people can benefit from that oh i know they will will. absolutely without question um Aaron, you are so awesome. I appreciate you and your storytelling. And I love your energy that you bring to it, too. Yeah. Just, I feel like Thank I was you. really there and just all of it from from Mike and Kelly and just like the characters that you've created in your story uh, that are real. Um, but it's just yeah. it's so cool. Um, so, yeah, Thank I absolutely you. know it's going to touch other mamas and inspire and create new possibilities. Thank you. I, I hope so. I, I, like I was telling you guys, I 
I just find like being able to share the story. It was so helpful to hear other people's stories. So I hope in sharing it and some, maybe somebody can, you know, say, Hey, like I, I can do that. Like that is a safe and viable option, you know, and it's, um, available, yeah. you know, to me and us. Well, we are super grateful to you, Aaron, and uh, just appreciate you hanging out with us on the podcast. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was great. I appreciate it. So that concludes our official interview with Aaron. However, there is a little bonus piece that I really wanted to publish at the end of our conversation. So before Sarah, Aaron, and I officially hit record and started to listen to Aaron's birth story, we had a cool conversation about the age difference in Aaron's kids. And, you know, it just was a, a spur of the moment question that I had because it was extremely relevant to conversations Sarah and I have been having around uh, when to have baby number two. So I really wanted to publish that, uh, I don't know, a couple minutes, I think maybe five minute um, tangent conversation with Aaron um, because I know there's a lot of you out there who are thinking about that, who are thinking about when you want to have baby number two or baby number three. And Erin uh, shed some, some really amazing light into why she chose to have her kids when she chose to have them. So enjoy this little bonus side conversation with Erin. Can I ask you a totally unrelated question? Oh boy, where's this going? Yeah, right. So <laughs> you you have a seven year old, a three year old, and a one year old. Oh, okay. So that means you've got a four year age difference between oldest yeah. and middle, and then a two year age difference between the middle and youngest. Yeah. So Sarah and yeah. I were just talking about baby number two yeah. for us, mm-hmm. and the age difference thing has come up as like, should, you know, do we want to get pregnant now? Do we want to get pregnant in a year or two? Can you talk to me a little bit about? Sure. What like what led to those decisions for you and Mike? Yeah, definitely. So I actually always wanted my kids to be really close. Like my sister and I are about seventeen months apart, mm-hmm. um, and I remember like holding Emma as a as nine months old, thinking, "Oh my god, my mom is pregnant." Like, I know. Same no, with my I mom. <laughs> um, and actually, when we had Emma. We have, uh, my husband has a group of friends that he's had since he was like school age. And through that, like all the wives, we've all become like good friends. And we were all pregnant with our first babies, huh. all due within two months of each other, wow. um, right at that same time. So when everybody started having their second, we just weren't ready. We weren't just, we just weren't at a place where we were ready to have a second as much as I wanted to. And I, I wanted us to be ready. I just knew we weren't. Um, so we waited. So that was at about what, two years, right? Like that traditional two year, year and a half, two year age gap. Um, and so by the time we were in a place when we were ready and decided to try again, um, Emma was four. Well, she was, yeah, she was four, three, four, about to turn four, um, when I got pregnant and, mm-hmm. I was really bummed. I was like, I just wanted them to be close to them. This age is so big. They're going to, you know, never come to school together. And they're going to always be one step ahead. So always be like this big gap ahead. But 
time, it's just the most amazing thing. I couldn't be happier wow. with the age difference. And I am so thankful that we have that age gap between them. They are super close. Mm. Emma is the most amazing big sister with him. And I feel like when I had him, I didn't go through the struggles that a lot of my friends went through by having a t- young toddler yeah. and a new baby, yeah. potty training and diapers and the whole thing. Because Emma was four and a half by the time he was born. And she just, she got it and she understood that sometimes I just needed to be with the baby. And she went to preschool. She's been a free full day pre-K at that point. So I kept her in preschool for the last two months before summer. Um, so I had that one-on-one time with him and then I still had our summer together. Um, I'm a teacher, so I'm off in the summers anyway. So it, I, I think the age difference is awesome. Awesome. And I was a little terrified about then now this time having like, that two and a half year age difference. Yeah. But it honestly has been pretty great too. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely am glad I had the four year age difference first. Um, I think it also helps that Emma's eight almost. And I have this, you know, we had a baby, so she understood and um, yeah. she was always great playing with the, my two year old and, um, and, you know, it's been really great. But my two year old really took, he took to the baby instantly like Aww. he walked in the door the day after like we had her and he was like baby olivia like on her baby wawa that big baby wawa oh my, my eight-year-old beeline out of the room so like hey see ya <laughs> wanted nothing to do with her <laughs> so cool. um but i i personally love i think that four-year age graph is i've loved it i've loved it awesome so. I, you know i can't tell you how much you sharing yeah, that means to lot. us because we a were lot. talking about this i mean night before last yeah and um everything that you said resonates uh because yeah. we've yeah. you know we're we're watching our friends who um we have we have, we have close friends who have a, a a son a month older than maya and now they're pregnant again yeah. and we've gone through the whole thing of like oh man you know what about we want them to be close and yeah. this and that but we're just we haven't felt like it's the right timing so we're kind of struggling with the the internal feeling of it doesn't feel right but externally yeah. there's there's reasons why we wanted yeah, to like do desire two. and so, so yeah i just i just noticed that we you know when you shared your, your um your yeah. kids ages so thanks thanks for for going on tangent no with problem. us for a minute no problem i love because it's one of the things that was i worried so much about that the age difference worried me so much and it's totally worked out to be awesome and other people i run into that have that same four-year age gap between the first two or if it's their only two um they all have said the same thing they love Mm. it and they think it's great so okay that that's very helpful i really 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 appreciate that (laughs) good Um, i think you know no matter what it always works out sure of course and it's all about just in whatever it is in birth two which we'll get into just feeling empowered in your decision and feeling supported in your decision can make all the difference regardless of what the decision is yeah okay cool Sweet. Quick note about the Doing It at Home podcast. Matthew and I are not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. If you have medical or health-related questions, please take them to a trained professional. We're here simply to entertain you with stories and conversations about pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved, Dadages. 
Hi there, I'm Chad Higgins. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Dadages. That's D-A-D-A-G-E-S, wherever you listen to your podcasts.